Revelation chapter 15 will be our passage today. As you're turning there, I put up a few pictures for your enjoyment. This is the reason why dogs bite us. And uh, go ahead and get that popped up there, Will, if you would. <laughs> What's that? All right, well, you'll see why here in just a moment. It's almost Halloween, so I figured it'd be appropriate. Go ahead, Will, just work your way through them if you would, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he looks miserable right there, I think. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Sure, they have one for basset hound size, Mike. We can get. <laughs> All right, we're coming to chapter 15, and in chapter 15, we are going to set up the last seven judgments, and they will come in a kind of semi-automatic form, like an automatic weapon, just bang, bang, bang in a row, rapid fire right here at the end of the book, and they will fill up, according to verse 1 of chapter 15, uh, they're going to fill up or complete the wrath of God, which is exactly what verse 1 says, but before we do that, before we start chapter 15, which we're going to finish tonight, let's jump back with me, if you would, to Revelation 4, verse 1. Would you just hold your finger here, turn back to Revelation 4, verse 1. Uh, it's been a while since we've been here, and because this is where we're going to be again tonight, I just thought it would be appropriate to pop back there, and uh, if you look there, so amazing, it's worth another read, and this is where we're going to be as we open up in chapter 15, all right? Verse 1, Revelation 4. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after these things. Verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne, and he who was sitting, verse 3, was like a jasper stone and sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance, verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads, verse 5, and out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And verse 6, And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. Verse 7, The first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle, verse 8. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. The sound of heaven. You want to know what heaven sounds like? Well, in the background, uh, you will hear that for sure. Now, turn, if you would, to Revelation 15.1. 15.1, and let's read the first eight verses, and actually that is the chap, that's the chapter, and then we'll come back and go verse by verse through it, all right? Verse 1, Revelation 15. 
Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, and catch this, because in them the wrath of God is finished. So, once again, you kind of have a chronology laid out for us, do we not? And we understand that things have happened before this, and now this coming up to this last series of judgments, uh, Scripture says it is filled up, or it's completed. The wrath of God is going to be completed. What a great day that will be, won't it, when the Lord is... Uh, filled up with his wrath, and he finishes all things. Verse 2, And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of of God. Verse 3, And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. Sounds a lot like what, I, what we just read in Jeremiah. For it's your due, right? You alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Verse 5. After these things I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels who had seven plagues came out of the temple, clothed in linen, clean and bright, and girded around their chests with golden sashes. Verse 7. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. Verse 8. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Let's stop right there. And go back, if you would. And you're kind of, as you look at verse 1, as I said before, you're kind of in this chronology, back in the chronology, if you will, with John, uh, of the tribulation uh, time. It should be on slide 8, Will, if you would. Uh, Then I saw another sign. Look at verse 1. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last because in them the wrath of God is finished. And we are past the halfway point of the tribulation time. Uh, A series of judgments that are being set up will take us to the end of the tribulation time and will really, as we look at this, step by step, set up the fulfillment of what was foretold in chapter 14, which we just did last week. So it's going to, that told what would happen. We looked into the future then, as it were, Uh, Still our future, but certainly for John, as the chronology of the tribulation unfolds, John's looking into the future in chapter 14. And so we see this unfolding step by step and the fulfillment of what was foretold in chapter 14 concerning the fall of Babylon and the battle of Armageddon. Okay, And the continual bombardment of the judgments on this earth will really break up the world until it will no longer function. And we're going to see that. And that really is what the Lord has intended to happen. And these last judgments in chapter 16 accomplish that end. He's going to break the world and it's going to be broken when he's finished. He owns it and he can wreck it if he wants to, can he? And he did it once before in a worldwide flood and he wrecked the world and and changed it completely from how it had been. And he's going to do it again in judgment on the world. But if he can make the world, he can certainly wreck it and make it again. And that's exactly what he's going to do. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but here it's going to break, he's going to really break the world. And in between judgments, there's probably some slight recovery time uh, or slight abatement of the suffering, just like there was in Egypt, where you had a plague come and then a little bit of a break and a release from the plague and then another plague come, and it'll be much like that, but we're, we'll see that as we move in. Now look at verse 2. 
And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. Now, this is the place of God's throne. We already saw that sea of glass before. And here we see a redness or a fire color to it. Uh, we saw that back in chapter 4, verse 6, that sea of glass. And here they're standing on it. So obviously it's not a sea, is it? If they can stand firmly on it or some things in physics that we understand now have changed. But they're going to be standing on it. God's throne's in heaven. It sits on a crystal platform or pavement. And the difference is that fire dances on it, or the look of fire that we see here. And uh, considering that we're in the midst of judgment, or perhaps the reflection of God's own holy fire, it grabs John's attention enough that he mentions it to us, that here the crystal pavement has a red fire look to it. And there are some people there who John sees. Look uh, on verse 2, after we got to glass mixed with fire, and those who had been victorious... Over the beast and his image and the number of his name standing on the sea of glass holding harps of God. Let's stop right there. And there's another worship service going on here. And John gets to see that. And these people are the 144,000 and the other martyrs, the tribulation saints. And they sing a song. And they play along with their harp. And look at verse 3. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb. They're singing two songs here. And perhaps they sing it in answer back and forth to one another. Perhaps they sing it at the same time and the words are distinct enough and it has a similar tune. Uh, there's just all kinds of ways that if you're a music person, you can imagine that they can sing these songs and back and forth in a responsive way or in a beautiful way together and the words will somehow be harmonizing and, and enhancing each other. But I can't wait to hear this song. But this song is going to be sung in heaven and they're, they're worshiping the Lord and this is the 144,000. They've been identified. Those who have been victorious over the beast and the image and the number of his name and uh, those who had were martyrs, tribulation saints. They sing a song. They play along with their harp. And then it says they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And uh, this song of Song of Moses is recorded for us in Exodus chapter 15. So I'd like you to look there. We might as well look at what the song's going to sound like and what the words are going to be like. So look at Exodus chapter 15, if you would. Go all the way to the front of your Bible and two books in. Exodus 15, verse 1. And the 144,000 know this song. And of course, they're Jews and so they would know it. And they sing it with the tribulation saints. They also know this song and sing it. Uh, together. And so they're going to sing this song. Now, as soon as you get there, we'll read it. It's a marvelous song, and I'm, I'm looking forward so much to hearing it to music as it's sung before the Lord. But Exodus 15:1. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and, and said, I'll sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Verse 2 The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will extol him. Verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea, and the choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. Verse 5, the deeps cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Verse 7, and in the greatness of your excellence... You overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger and it consumes them as chaff. Verse 8. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing water stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy has said, verse 9, I will pursue, I'll overtake, I'll divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified against them. I'm going to draw out my sword. My hand will destroy them. 
Verse 10, you blew your wind with your wind, and the sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Verse 11, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? Verse 12, you stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. Verse 13, in your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed in your strength. You have guided them to your holy habitation. Verse 14, The peoples have heard, they tremble, anguish has gripped the inheritance of Philistia. And then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed, the leaders of Moab trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away, verse 16. Terror and dread fall upon them, by the greatness of your arm they are motionless as stone until your people pass over, O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased, 17. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Verse 18. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. It's a great song. They sing this in heaven right towards the, the beginning of the final judgments on the earth. And they also sing the song of the Lamb. And we've heard that song before. It's found in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. So turn there if you would. And the bride is singing it. And who is the bride? That's right. The redeemed church, the raptured church. The bride is singing it. And here it is. And this group of worshipers is singing it now. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Here is the song of the Lamb. So these songs are going on together or one follows the other or they sing an answer to one another. But you'll find that the topics are very similar, are they not? Because they speak of the salvation of the Lord and of his deliverance. Now look at verse 9 of Revelation 5. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, tongue, people and nations. Verse 10. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing, verse 13, and every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And so these groups of people are going to be singing these two songs, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, and they will be declaring God's salvation in its marvelous nature And these two songs are really celebrations of two great redemptions. That's really what they are. Uh, The first is God's redemption uh, of Israel from Egypt and Pharaoh. The second is God's redemption of sinners through Christ. So two great redemptions. You can put that in your notes. Go on to the next one if you would, Will. And so these two great redemptions are being celebrated. And the chorus is marvelous. And here's what they say in the chorus. Look back in your Bible, Revelation chapter 15. And you're going to see the chorus that they're going to sing. They're going to sing, 
great. So they're singing two different songs and then they sing this chorus uh, together saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty, righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Marvelous words to that. His works are marvelous. Are they not? Psalm 139, 14 uh, is, uh, talks about how awesome the Lord is. I'll give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. Amos chapter 4 verse 13, For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind and declares to, the man, to man what are his thoughts, he who makes dawn in the darkness and treads on the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. So songs about the Lord are not unfamiliar to his people. He's the king of the saints, which is exactly what he says, it says in the chorus. He's the king. Uh, Jeremiah 10, 7, Who would not fear you? This is the one we read earlier, O king of the nations. Indeed, it's your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. And so they're singing this great chorus. Uh, and they go on in verse 4, Revelation 15, Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And so, God's holy nature, His perfect attributes, demand uh, that He judge sin. So, they come before Him. The Lord says in Jeremiah, we saw earlier, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, that He exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth. And so, because of His perfect nature, He has to judge and so he will judge sin, and it demands that he does that. Psalm 19.9, the fear of the Lord is clean. There's nothing wrong with fearing the Lord. Uh, no sin there. Enduring forever, the judgments of the Lord are true, and they are righteous altogether. Isn't that marvelous? And the Lord has to judge because he is pure, and because he is righteous. Nahum 1.3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Isn't that great? That he's slow to anger, is long-suffering, works to our benefit. It leads to our salvation. That's what it's there for. And the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In a whirlwind and storm is His way and clouds are the dust beneath His feet. Who can stand before His indignation? And what's the rhetorical answer? No one, right? Who can endure the burning of His anger? What's the answer? Rhetorical question. No one can. His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken up by Him. And so... The Lord has to judge, although He is wonderful in every work. Part of the wonder of the Lord and part of the marvelous nature of the Lord is that His justice is perfect and He must judge because of that. And when His judgment is complete, He will usher in the millennial reign of Christ. When this judgment completes, He will bring uh, Christ to His rightful throne in charge of the earth. He will inherit back again what rightfully belongs to Him. And there are some other scriptures that speak of this time period. And uh, we use the Bible, of course, to help us understand. But Isaiah 66:23, speaking of the same time period, And it shall be from new moon to new moon, and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all mankind will come to bow down before me, says the Lord. There's going to come a time where men will always be doing that. Nations will always be coming to bow. Uh, they'll be carrying on many of the things that we do now, and, uh, but with fruitfulness, as the Lord established the earth originally and gave Adam and Eve uh, charge over it to keep it and do the work of it. I really think that that's exactly what the Lord, where the Lord is heading again uh, as He establishes the earth and, and uh, gives us a new earth. We'll be given these uh, responsibilities and you as believers uh, will get to rule and will get to reign with Him. And really, in, I think, in direct proportion to the faithfulness we show now 
in this life will be in direct proportion to what we'll be doing for eternity. As the Lord says, he is faithful in little, is also faithful in much. And so the Lord remembers those good deeds that we do. We, re- we read about that last week. And uh, he brings this recompense with him. And so the Lord keeps track of all those things. And so we know that this is going to occur during this millennial reign of Christ. Psalm 66.4, all the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name, Selah. Philippians 2.9 uh, through 11. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the time of the millennial reign of Christ. Everyone will on earth uh, submit to him, bow to him. And it will be that way forevermore. Revelation 15.5. Look there if you would. We're rapidly running out of time. So I want to wrap up here. Revelation 15.5, After these things I looked, John says, and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was open. We've seen it open before. We just read that passage. And the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple, clothed in linen, clean and bright, and girded around their chest with golden sashes. Pause right there. We'll get to verse 7 in just a minute. But just like in chapter 11, verse 19, John gets a glimpse of the inside of the temple where the true ark is sitting. And true to the pageantry of the ceremony, out come seven more angels, and they are beautifully arrayed. It says that they have these seven plagues, but they're clothed in linen, clean and bright, girded around their chest with a golden sash. And they have uh, fabric of their clothing speaks of holiness, it speaks of purity. Uh, Their gold sashes speak of glory and riches and royalty. Uh, They are adorned that way. And then verse 7, it says, And then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Once again, pause right there. We see again that the Lord is carrying out wrath, but the angels themselves are doing the specific tasks. This is very common all the way through the scriptures over and over again. The Lord carries out his wrath. He calls for judgment on Jerusalem. And although the Babylonians are there, it's really his angels doing that work. And so we see that over and over again. Again, very just the same. The angels aren't doing what they want. The Lord is instructing them. They're following through. And uh, verse 7 says, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives, he says, forever and ever. And the Lamb opens the seals. The seven angels blow the trumpets. And one of the beasts here, the cherubim, Ezekiel 4, 1, 4 through 25, we've read that uh, description and we just read it a few minutes ago in, in Revelation 4. Uh, almost indescribable beings, they hand the seven bowls, the seven saucers, to the seven angels. And these are really shallow saucers. Uh, the shape of them, very shallow. We have many examples of their use in the Old Testament. They're big, but not deep. And so they have these big, shallow saucers and they're made to pour out all at once. And drowned all those who will not drink the cup of his salvation. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Verse 8, and it says, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. This is a private thing. God gets all the smoke rolling in heaven and they burst out in chapter 16. And remember, as we think about this fire, we think about this angel who's in charge of this fire and he's going he's gonna to hand these bowls. Remember that uh, all those martyrs that sit underneath the throne of the Lord and all call out for recompense and judgment on the earth as, because of, the, of what was worked on them, that, uh, the death that was brought to them. We're going to see all that fulfilled now. 
We're going to see, righteous are you, Lord. You're going to give them blood to drink because they drank the blood of the saints. We're going to see direct blow for blow, worldwide uh, catastrophe, uh, but that correspond with God's perfect judgment and, uh, and recompense men back, those who will not drink the cup of his salvation, recompense men back uh, as a result of their wickedness. Okay, so step by step, we work our way through the book. You can see as you dig into this book, it's very straightforward. It does have some beautiful imagery and you know where to look. And as you cross-reference, you realize, hey, it's describing something we've seen before. It's talking about something that's been done before. We understand why he says this thing or uses this number. And so these things unfold. And the scriptures tell us that blessed is he who reads and hears and does the words of this book. And so obviously they have to be able to be found out. And so as we work through... We just trust the Lord to bless us because we understand that we are doing the very things he asked us to do and uh, making that available uh, so that we can understand it and then act accordingly as a result of what we see uh, going on here in these very end times. We may not be very far away from the beginning of all of that, of all the saints who have ever lived. Of course, it, goes, it follows logically that we're closer than any other ones, but because of the way things are working out, in the Middle East and things that we see going on around us, it doesn't seem to be a long stretch, does it, to think that perhaps the Lord is very close uh, to calling his church and to setting the world back on its correct course. And so we pray to that end that uh, the Lord will come. We pray for the peace of Israel. We know, as the Lord tells us, pray for the peace of Israel. We're actually praying, aren't we, for the rapture to occur and for eventual uh, restoration of Israel and uh, eternal peace to come to that land. And so we know that those things are not far into the future. Some of us may get to see that with our own eyes. We may be raptured right from the earth. We may not have to die. And that'll be a marvelous thing. All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you today for an opportunity to be in your word. We thank you for these eight verses so rich as they set up really these last judgments that you have revealed to us. Thank you for giving these things to John, for giving him an understanding mind by your Holy Spirit that we might read them now as churches all through the ages have read them and been encouraged by them and uh, have been motivated to walk the walk we should be walking as a result of where we see the world ends up. And Lord, I pray that it will let work its work among us too. Uh, your Holy Spirit is able to apply all these things in richness and uh, in vivid detail in our own life uh, to make us the type of people you wish us to be because we know the end of the wicked. Uh, we don't want to act that way anymore. And because we know uh, the recompense of those who turn away from your salvation, we don't want to pretend like we're still in that life. We don't want to align ourselves with, uh, with the rebellion to act as if we're part of that rebellion. And Lord, your own son paid the price for that rebellion and took the cost, the penalty of sin and the power of sin on his own, on his own body. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, help us to live in that way, motivated by what your word says. Sanctify us by your truth. Lord, your word is truth tonight. We give you praise today for it. And all for Jesus' sake, whom we long to see and desire very much uh, to serve until we, as we wait for him. It's in his name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.